Isn't that a great hymn? Thank you to our choir for that beautiful anthem. We are in a series this month as we approach Thanksgiving entitled Gratitude Changes Us. And one of the ways that gratitude changes us is we become more generous. Our text of Scripture for this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, the 12th chapter, and it's about generosity. So I invite you to listen for God's Word as it comes to us from the Gospel of Mark. Now, as Jesus taught, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses, and for the sake of appearance, they say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury, and he watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people came and put in large sums, A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and he said to them, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And following that word, uh, my prayer will be a little shorter today. Um, Let us pray together. Gracious God, we have come to receive what you have to give us. So quiet within us any voice but your own, that we may hear your word. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Generosity. I have to tell you, I have learned a great deal about generosity from many of you. The story is told of a minister's wife who missed his sermon because she had a touch of the flu, and so when he returned home, he, she asked how the morning service went. What did you preach about, she asked. Well, my sermon today called on the rich to give to the poor, he said. Well, did it go over well with the congregation, she asked. Well, about 50-50, he said. I convinced the poor. There's a story told about the American industrialist Henry Ford of the Ford Motor Company who was once asked to donate money to the construction of a new medical facility. Not uncommon. Here the Huntington Hospital recently had its treasures and trivia. One of the ways that we support the local hospital and a number of you are heavily involved. Well, the billionaire... Henry Ford pledged to donate $5,000 to the effort, and the next day in the newspaper, the headline read, 
Henry Ford contributes $50,000 to the local hospital. The irate Henry Ford was on the phone immediately to complain to the fundraiser and to say, you misunderstood me. The fundraiser replied, we'll be happy tomorrow to publish a retraction that will read, Henry Ford reduces his donation by $45,000. So realizing this would be poor publicity, he agreed to the $50,000 contribution in return for the following, that above the entrance to the hospital would be carved this biblical inscription, I came among you, and you took me in. (laughs) This past uh, August, for our kickoff Sunday, I shared with you that I have been reading a book by David Brooks entitled The Road to Character. And in the foreword of that book, he begins this way. Recently, I've been thinking of the difference between the resume virtues and the eulogy virtues. The resume virtues are the ones you list on your resume, the skills that you bring to the job market, and it contributes to your external success. But the eulogy virtues are deeper. They're the virtues that get talked about at your funeral, the ones that exist at the core of your being, whether you are kind or brave or honest or generous or faithful what kind of relationships you formed. So this contrast, it seems to me, is perfect for the description of the story this morning because the widow is not exhibiting resume virtues, but eulogy virtue. David Brooks goes on to quote a letter that he received from One individual, after he had written an article in the New York Times about the frustration of using the classroom experience to try and teach how to be good. The letter came with these words, The heart cannot be taught in a classroom intellectually. Good, wise hearts are obtained through lifetimes of diligent effort to dig deeply within and heal lifetimes of scars. You can't teach it or email it or tweet it. The job of the wise person is to swallow the frustration and just go on setting an example of caring and digging and diligence in their own lives. What a wise person teaches is the smallest part of what they give. It's the totality of their life the way they go about it, in the smallest details, that's what gets transmitted, end quote. I think that's a description of this poor widow, this wise person who puts two coins into the treasury at the temple and illustrates the difference between the resume virtues and the eulogy virtues. The totality of her life and the way she went about it to the smallest detail, that's what gets transmitted in this story. 
And faithful people have heard this story for thousands of years. Long ago, the simple act of a humble woman, an act of faith and generosity, made the headlines. The story of this widow who gave her coins to the treasury and the temple is recorded in two Gospels in the New Testament. And here in Mark's Gospel, it's the final act of the public ministry of Jesus. And he uses it to teach his disciples about the difference between duplicity and simplicity. The duplicity of the religious officials and the simplicity of this woman's spirituality. This story of the woman is in direct contrast to the text about the religious officials, and I take that to heart. Jesus says, beware the scribes who like to walk around in long robes. I happen to be wearing one. Be greeted in, with respect in the marketplace to have the best seats in the sanctuary or the synagogue, I mean, and uh, places of honor. They devour widows' houses. For the sake of appearance, they say long prayers. In other words, what they do, they do for show. They're self-serving frauds, says Jesus. They only appear to be interested in others, but in reality, it's only another form of their own self-interest. Some people just won't do anything, even that which needs doing, if it just doesn't create the right appearance. I mean, why contribute to anything if no one's looking? So in contrast to those who live for the sake of appearances, Jesus lifts up the simple act of this faithful woman who does not seek anything in her action other than to contribute to the cause of God. No cameras, no great fanfare, no presentation of a check the size of a small child, no dignitaries gathered around for the photo shoot, and what appears to be insignificant is actually very significant and of great import. It's an unusual story that concludes the public ministry of Jesus. Now, some of you know the story as the story of the widow's might. That translation of might comes from the English translation of a word that belonged to a British biblical scholar of some time ago. And what was going on here is that the temple had its own coinage, had its own currency. At the time, there were many different currencies, not unlike today if you travel internationally. They circulated at the time, and thus there were money changers outside the temple who helped people meet their obligation in a currency that was acceptable to the treasury. Now, of course, the money changers received some of the harshest criticism of all from Jesus. Remember, it was their tables that he overturned in the temple in protest. And in the act of changing money, people were often defrauded by the exchange rates. 
So the point here is really quite simply that the real value of the money was really quite small, less than a penny. But the ideal value cannot be underestimated. We all can learn from the simple act of this poor woman from thousands of years ago. How can we avoid the pitfalls of religious people whose faith is merely a masquerade? The Lord seems to be interested in more than just outward appearances. He's concerned with inward motivations, with what's happening in our hearts. It's not the absolute value of the gift. It's not the monetary value that matters. It's this ideal value, the principles that direct our living, our generosity, our giving. The message that dominates in our day seems to be that we improve our lives by what we purchase. Make sure you have the name brand stuff. Name brand colleges, name brand cars, name brand clothing, jewelry. But this story seems to suggest, no, the real truth is we improve our lives by what we give, not what we get. And the amount doesn't have to be spectacular. It's this duplicity and unprincipled behavior of those who appear to be one thing and are revealed to be much less than they profess to be that's so common and so disappointing, isn't it? When legislators use their position of influence to meet their own needs at the expense of their office staff or the people they're supposed to serve, we cringe. When high-profile pastors are removed from their positions due to impropriety, sexual misconduct, or financial misdealings, we wonder, who can we trust? Certainly, that's not the kind of spiritual life to which Christ calls us. We want leaders in the community and leaders in our church that walk the talk. It's precisely that, walking the talk, that caught the attention of Jesus that day. Here was someone who lived life on the outside consistent with the principles that she held on the inside. There was no disparity. And Jesus pointed to her and said, There, be like her. Live your faith like that. Her example of selfless, simplistic generosity motivated by a faith that was within is a reminder to each and every one of us to live by faith, and to walk our talk, just as she did. I tell you, being in ministry is not an easy challenge. I think it's probably the only job where your employer expects you to give 10% back at the end of the year. Where do we live with duplicity rather than simplicity of faith? Perhaps we should re-examine 
the value of simple acts of faith and faithfulness. There's value in living with integrity. And each life, each one of our lives, no matter how seemingly insignificant, can be lived faithfully and can have impact far beyond our limited calculations of them. Remember these words of Scripture. You know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for our sakes He became poor, so that by His poverty you might be made rich. Thanks be to God for His grace. Amen.